to a special episode of That's a Wrap. This episode is about the movie Spotlight. We're doing a series on the eight films that have been nominated for Best Picture for 2016, or the, the year of 2015, the Oscars of 2016. And today it is Spotlight. Uh, for That's a Wrap, I am Eric Marshall. And I am Nick Schlegel. And I'm Chris Cullen. And welcome. Welcome, welcome, welcome to our special episode. Special, special. So, um, Spotlight, uh, Nick has some info. Indeed I do, although, wouldn't you know it, that, <laughs> that tab just accidentally closed. I shall bring it back up. Spotlight has been extremely well-received. Uh, it It has a very high fresh rating at rotten tomatoes 96 percent that's high and the audience score is 95 percent the general consensus from the critics is very high it's a it's a film that um has received very little uh criticism um from critics and audiences the ones that have gone to see it um are, are very moved uh in, in that weird sort of way that movies like this do they're sort of procedural films where you get caught get caught up in a wave of uh um energy and movement towards a particular goal and as they uncover it you uncover it with them and so i uh, everybody comes out of the film pretty much feeling as if they had been witness to the birth of uh of some really interesting and powerful and potent and important journalism which i in fact they went on to win the Pulitzer for this particular story. Uh, and so, yeah, um, we're going to weigh in now on our reactions to it, apart from the general audiences, audience and critics. Eric, why don't you tell us what your thoughts on? Yeah. So, um, I mean, I think everybody knows what the film's about. Uh, it's about the uh, crisis in the, uh, well, not in the Catholic church, but about the Catholic church where priests were molesting children. And um, as we all know, it was kind of an institutional kind of situation where, where there were cover-ups and they would move priests around. So the movie set in Boston with a bunch of reporters who, who figured this out and kind of dug deeply into the story. So I think going into it, you know what it's about, you know, it's about priests, abusing children and it's not the lightest of material right and so there's a but for me like there's a part of me that thought yeah yeah i know about this i know what happened it's it's terrible but watching the film unfold i don't think i real i didn't realize just how systemic this problem was in the american catholic church um it might be the global catholic church i really don't know but and, and how widespread this problem was. And the film does a really good job, I think, of leading you from the newsroom of, you know, these reporters whose task is to, you know, do this deep research in a city that is deeply Catholic um, and how they just kind of never thought about it or ignored it, never wanted to investigate it, but leads us from that naivete through the first couple cases and then further up the chain and as it broadens and i think the film does a really good job of bringing the viewer in to that discovery process i agree uh i think that all with with, with everything that you touched on um 
it was I thought the film was brilliant. I was actually raised in the Catholic Church. Right. Uh I'm not Catholic anymore. I consider myself an atheist. Um but I was I was raised uh went to Catholic school and every everything. And um I've especially the majority of my adult life have have kind of seen the Catholic Church for what it is. It's this large secretive monster. Um and I I see it as probably one of the most corrupt organizations on the planet. And I think that the the thing I liked about this film is it helped to really reveal that. Um it's it's systemic and the the abuse was systemic and widespread and the Catholic Church is 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 all about image. It's very much and I'm not I'm not trying to say, you know, I'm just use this as, as a platform to bash on the Catholic Church, but from somebody who's kind of been in it and seen the politics and how vicious it is and how trying to keep these things under wraps. Um, it was refreshing to see the film portray it real in a, in a real way that the Catholic church, the real Catholic church could not squelch. Um, and you know, and I, I think that they also by um, really kind of hammered home the point that you know Boston is a really Catholic town, and you know, I, I see that when I whenever uh, I go uh, to Boston for the for for our listeners who recently joined, I live in Central Massachusetts, so you you can you can see that when you go go into the city there's lots of catholic churches it's 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 part of the culture of boston is is roman catholicism which what which was the problem with the film and and that that the end the part of the problem for the boston globe uh right. the 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 film is really smart in that it could have told this this story from a lot of different perspectives it could have told it from the point of view of the survivors uh it could have told it from the point of view of the church it could have, but it, what it chose to do was to to moderate that by having it told through the point of view of the Boston Globe, but for the second time because they had it had already been basically um, squelched as as uh, Chris said earlier. But but it was it was an edit, it was a decision that the Globe made not to pursue it essentially. So, um, in fact, you find out later in the film that it was Michael Keaton who inadvertently really kind of like wound up burying some very important news on like, you know, the 20th page of section D or something, you remember? And uh, so he's been wrestling with that. And, and Keaton sort of really grounds this film. He's got a very interesting team around him uh, anchored by people like Mark Ruffalo and and Rachel McAdams who give exquisite performances. Uh, But, you know, yeah, the, the it's 53% of the subscribers of the Boston globe were Catholic um, but I think where the film ultimately, I think succeeds is for me, it's, it's method of, of, of doing it basically as a journalism film rather than, um, you know, a hyperdra- a hyperdramatic tragedy. It's, I think it's at its very best when they're interviewing the people who had been molested in particular. I love that one scene with Rachel McAdams. And the man who are there, they meet at the coffee bar. Remember that guys? And then they go for yeah. a walk in the park and yeah. he actually says, uh, you know, he says, did you have, you know, you might be wondering why I had oral sex with this priest. And he said, you have to understand 
this was the first person that ever told me it was okay to be gay. And it was, and it was coming from God, you know? And I was like, that's such powerful dialogue delivered with such conviction. Um, at that point, I realized that I was in like really, really good hands with this film, that, that it was a quiet film with a lot of dignity and it wasn't loud or boisterous, you know? Uh, it was understated and really a great example of like, as Chris, as you said, it's a return to the, the very best journalistic traditions in cinema. Yeah. I, the, the thing that when I, when I finished the film, uh, the, the compare, the immediate comparison that I made was all the president's men. Right. Absolutely. Um, that just shows journalism, you know, at, at its absolute best showing, showing what journalists are supposed to do, because I think journalism gets such a bad rap. You know, journalists are, are often portrayed as these paparazzi like sleaze bags. Right. And, you know, I, I guess are they there? There's many of them out there, but boy, there's a lot of journalists who are doing some phenomenal work. And this was a story that needed to be told. It was a story that needed to also especially be told in a city like Boston. Right. Um, and I think that you're, I, I agree completely with you, uh, Nick, that the, the, the film succeeded on pretty much every level. Yeah, I agree. I agree. When I was, uh, when I first started it, I, I felt like you know, any, any movie you see that's based on a true story, it has a very different rhythm mm-hmm. from a, a, a wholly fictional story, I think. And a lot of times the lead in is kind of long and they're and right. so kind of an ensemble cast a little bit. So you have to introduce all the characters and the issue and the new boss coming in. Cause you know, the reason this happened was cause the new boss was not from Boston and was not Catholic. So he was willing to kind of push and push on this um and so for the first 20 or 30 minutes i was like okay well they're setting up the characters i get it you know but i was kind of like where is this gonna go and about 20 or th- about maybe at the 30 minute mark i was i was completely in completely in <laughs> and there was no going back after that i particularly liked uh mark ruffalo's performance oh me too um, I, I just like Mark Ruffalo. I think he's a really, really good actor. Um, you know, he's just kind of real, just kind of perky, kind of eager. Like he wants to get the story. You know, he's very energetic. Uh, you know, he can. He really changes from movie to movie. I thought Michael Keaton did a f- fantastic job. Yeah. Um, Michael Keaton has was really great. matured as an actor. Yeah. You know, yeah. He, he, yeah. I, I've always liked it. Well, he he would have been in the Mark Ruffalo role. 20 years ago. Yes. And and now he's, yes, he's he anchoring the team as the sort of wizened, grizzled, you know, um, veteran of, of the, of the establishment of the globe. And that's, oh, I agree. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, I, I, I agree. And it's, it's been, it's been kind of fun to watch, watch him mature as an actor from like those early days of like Mr. Mom and gung ho and then <laughs> Beetlejuice. Um, it's it's and then Batman. It's just been really cool to see him mature as an actor, and I think he's he's really coming into his own now. I loved him in this. I I've just loved this film. In fact, I want to watch it again. I, I enjoyed it. Well, enjoy again. Enjoy being a real relative term here, but yeah, it's I, tough I, to enjoy I, it. I felt you know it reminded me right when uh, the um in in my screenwriting course I just had the students watch The Verdict the Sidney Lumet Paul Newman masterpiece from the early 80s I think it is 1980 and uh, or 82 somewhere around there 
and um, David Mamet's script. And that's all about the Archdiocese of Boston as well. You know, it's, it's interesting that the Archdiocese of Boston is the villain in several films here. <laughs> um, that had nothing to do with molestation. It had to do with uh, medical malpractice. But nevertheless, if, if, those, if you guys have never seen The Verdict, it's my favorite Paul Newman performance of all time. But um, More than The Sting? What's that? Oh, More than The Sting? It's, I think it's not only my favorite Paul Newman performance, but I think it's his greatest. But I don't want to get uh, uh, digress too much from Spotlight, but it just, it's another film where there's great, where Boston's a big, a big character, particularly the Archdiocese. But Spotlight, you know, I, I mean, I'll go on record right now and just say, like, I, I, I've, I think it's a good batch of Best Picture nominees, and I've been pretty favorable to most of them. Well, you guys will realize this, the listeners, as the films go on, but as the episodes go on, but I have no criticisms of Spotlight. I don't know about you guys, but I, I found nothing, nothing real, no, no problems in the film. I had no problems with it either. Um, I think, uh, I guess just the only other thing that I will say, um, especially as somebody who, who, who just moved here, I think they really got the character and flavor of the city, you know, re- re- really, yeah. really, really, really well. I mean, there's certain cities that they they film a lot in, right? In, you know, in New York or or L.A. But when you when you film in a in a in a city with a very very distinct flavor, like like Boston or or Detroit or um, or Minneapolis or or anything, you know, a city with a really distinct personality, it, when you when you let the audience know that's where you are, and you emphasize that. I think you have a responsibility as a filmmaker to make sure that you capture the essence of that city, what it's like. And um, I think they did that very nicely. I, 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 I really, I really do. I really. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, um, I agree with you about the, about the city in terms of um, when, a, when the city is one of the characters in a way, right? Because a, a lot of things are set in a city, but they're not shot there. It's just it's just incidental background. But this, it really is part of the fabric of well, like yeah. they, the, one, of the, one of the points of the movie, right? One of the points of the movie is like nobody ever looked into this despite evidence being thrown their way because boston is is not only infused with catholicism but run by the catholic church in in some ways in many ways you know one of the telling scenes about that is when somebody asks well who's the judge and they'd say who the judge is oh good catholic girl like they know the judges they know who's catholic and who's not and they have an idea of how she's going to rule although she doesn't but you, you know so so i think that's really really important in the film you know to to this film to show that it's a it's a culture that's not going to question that stuff. As far as criticisms, I don't have any criticisms either. I don't think there's much wrong with the with the film. I mean, I got a little confused with all the names. <laughs> like, you know, there's a lot of male characters, and I can't remember who like who's Marty, Wait, who's who's so and so. You know, when they would mention somebody off screen, I'm like, who is this person again? But that's just me. I'm just I'm just I have a short attention span. No, no, no. I felt that too. Uh, it was it was um, it was hard to keep track because. In films like this, the names are really important, um, particularly when, they're, when they're, we're talking about the uh, Stanley Tucci attorney or some of the people that they're supposed to be meeting with or this attorney that represented the class action suit, you know, which they kept, 
which actually never made it into the courts. They said the archdiocese was settling those things out of court, bypassing the judicial system. <laughs> you remember? And uh, so keeping track of all that stuff was actually really important. Um, and it was difficult. Uh, uh, there was a fair amount of, uh, and it was easy to get confused, I think. Um, but I think when it was getting maybe a little off track or derailed, it, you know, it, it was pretty obvious they would come back. One of the things that I thought was very fascinating about the film, which uh, the screenwriter could have either like downplayed or upplayed or given just the right amount of uh, importance to in terms of how it affected the story was 9-11. Uh, that, yeah. that was a time when the people of Boston needed to come together, and it was a time when they were looking to the church for moral and spiritual guidance, and it's a time when they had to take all their resources off of the uh, archdiocese the story and focus it someplace else. And if I'm not mistaken, it's a good sort of, what, six months where they're off of that story. Isn't that right? Yeah, it's several months. Several for months. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. yep. Um. And and I thought that was a great sort of midpoint crisis in 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 the film that uh, you know was uh, an effective subplot to get them derailed essentially, but then to regroup and come back and attack and and uh, so it was, it was structured very nicely. Yeah, and then they have to kind of someone has to kind of bring it up. Uh, hey, what about this uh, Catholic Church thing, <laughs> right? right? Like they have to kind of fight to get it, get more resources for it because of nine eleven. Yeah, it's a very it's a very good point. Uh, there are a couple of moments where I thought that um, the John Slattery character uh, was. Ben, I thought he was. I kept thinking that people had these sinister motives. I kept yeah, thinking that too. it was. Yeah, I felt like I there was totally some kind of weird. He was behind something there. <laughs> yeah, and there are a lot of shots where you feel like he's shutting things down, or he's gonna shut things down, or he's gonna sabotage the investigation. Little misdirects, red herrings. Yeah, I actually maybe thought it was an abuse victim. I yeah, thought that Ruffalo was the too. abuse victim because he's he gets in that shouting match with Keaton. Yeah, and I thought that seemed like an a, yeah. an extra sensitive response. And maybe there is subtext there that he had been abused. Um, they just don't explicitly state it. But his, he is the one that is really fighting the hardest to get this story. Like, like Eric said, he's just that part's played with pure energy and a Caesar haircut. He's running all over the place, <laughs> uh, trying to. He's constantly running. He's like the man. He's he's like the what's the song from Saint Elmo's Fire? He's the man in motion. <laughs> he's like, he really is. He's you. Have, you always see him running somewhere. He's like the man in motion, you know. And he's always running, trying to beat a, a clerk into a deadline out in an office somewhere. And yeah. and uh, I thought that, but I thought Slatterly or whatever the hell his name is. I thought he. Uh, I thought yeah, he had sinister motives or something. But it turns out it was Michael Keaton who inadvertently seemed to bury something years and years ago. You know. Yeah, and that did seem inadvertent though. It seemed like he didn't seem like he consciously buried it but he was i think dealing with the guilt of having he missed was dealing it with guilt over it and that he know he knew he should have done more with it i think that was it you know yeah i think so yeah yeah i mean it's very complex you know the interplay between these people is complex and their own feelings toward the story um is complex for for most of these characters too which which makes for uh for like you said good writing and and, and a good film what about 
about that scene where Rachel McAdams goes to that one priest uh, and, and and who's clearly has some mental issues, and he just comes to the door. He's like, "Oh yeah, I was I was molesting kids left and right." <laughs> and then yeah. his sister comes to the door and is like, "Get out of here, you crazy journalist! Get out of here!" You know, and it was, yeah, I, I was like, "What the hell?" <laughs> That was a that weird, was weird scene. That was a really weird scene. Yeah. I think that for listeners who um, feel like they already know about this crisis and don't need to see a film about it because they're you know, pretty well-versed, I think you should see the film anyway. I agree. I yeah, agree. Me too. It's, out, it's, it's done so well. This is a very, you know, extremely well-crafted piece of cinema. Yeah, and, and it and, goes and, to show that you know mainstream Hollywood can make a great movie anytime they want to. That you know anytime they want to. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. If only they, they wanted to more often. Yeah, <laughs> if only they wanted to more often. But it's just it's That's just living proof of what they can do. It's big talent associated with this small story in terms of there's no Transformers ripping a city apart, but it's it's. Right way more important you know for sure there's this at the very very end of the film uh there's this uh text thing where it says it, it lists other cities where these sorts of things had gone on and the list is long yeah, sure. and you're watching it and you're like when is this gonna end and listeners no matter where you live you'll find your city on that list probably oh yeah i mean it's you know or at least a major city near you or it's, nearby it's, yep yeah, no question, but, man. And it's global. That's yeah, yeah, yeah. It was pretty insidious. Pretty insidious. Yeah. yeah. Well, we've done a pretty good job of not bashing the church itself or anything uh, for its systemic, uh, you know, kind of hiding, yeah. <laughs> you know, covering for these priests. I, I I don't think it needed any help. Yeah, being, being, yeah, being no bashed. Shit. I, no. I I I, th- I think the film did a pretty good job at that. I think. Cardinal Bernard Law did a pretty good job of that. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I think it kind of made its bed, and and yeah. <laughs> well, my parting comment would be: if listeners are looking for maybe of the one of the first films to watch from this year's crop, I this is a great, great way to start. It's a fabulous movie. It really is. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I do not disagree with that. Yeah, I think it'd be a good place to start as well if you haven't seen any of the films. So yeah. All right. Well, that's our that's our spotlight on spotlight. Uh, if you want to weigh in, you can go to our Facebook page or to that'srapshow.com. If you'd like to support our efforts here at That's a Rap, you can go to patreon.com slash that's a rap and uh throw us a couple bucks per episode if you want. It does cost us money and time to produce this thing, and we appreciate anything you can do. Uh, for That's a Wrap, I'm Eric Marshall. I'm Nick Schlegel. I'm Chris Cullen. And thanks a lot for listening. That's a wrap. Mm-hmm.